Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, as you're making your travel plans, remember johnnydollarair.com. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate link. So part of your purchase price goes to support the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Now it's time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, July the 6th. 1954, and the title is The Jan Bruegel Matter. The time in 30 seconds, 8 o'clock. Sharp, clear, penetrating. Those are the words that describe the newscasts over WBBM. Listen as expert WBBM newscasters bring you the latest complete news of the day. News from here at home and news reports from around the globe. Listen for one of the many newscasts presented throughout the day over WBBM Chicago Showmanship Station. 780 on your radio dial. Wrigley's Fearmint Chewing Gum. The refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment presents for your listening enjoyment John Lund as... Johnny Deller. Tom Leslie, Johnny. I'm sending you a check for $25,000 by a special messenger. Well, thanks. I can use it. You're going to buy a painting with it in Detroit. A 17th century masterpiece called The River, painted by Jan Bruegel. Why? It was stolen 11 years ago from a Lauren Jeffers. We paid the claim on it. A cool $120,000. We just got a tip we can buy it back for twenty-five. Well, you know how I feel about paying off for the return of stolen property. And you know how we feel about taking a $120,000 loss. Yeah. Well? Well, okay, but I won't like it. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum present these weekly adventures of Johnny Dollar because they know that millions of you enjoy Johnny Dollar. That's true of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, too. It's enjoyed by millions, day in and day out. People find that chewing on a smooth, delicious piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum somehow makes time pass more pleasantly. Whether you're working, driving, shopping, or just taking things easy... That good, tasty chewing gives you enjoyment and satisfaction. So always keep a package of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. And whenever you want a refreshing, delicious treat, chew a stick. You'll like it. You really will. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Eastern Indemnity and Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Jan Bruegel matter. 
Expense account item one, $43.10. Airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Detroit, Michigan. Expense account item two, $1. Cab fare from the Statler Hotel, where I'd checked in, to the Masterson Art Galleries on Woodward Avenue. A rather nervous little man came scurrying out from behind some velour draperies to greet me. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> well, good afternoon. Is there something we can do for you today? Are you uh, Mr. Masterson? Uh, Mr. Ma- oh, no, no. <laughs> Mr. Masterson. No, I'm Hacker. Merwin Hacker. You might say I'm Mr. Masterson's general factotum around here. <laughs> general factotum. Uh, uh, I'd be more than pleased to be of service to you if I may, though. No, no, thanks. I'd like to talk to Mr. Masterson personally. Yes, of course, of course, of course. This way, this way, if you please. This Say, we're having a wonderful exhibit of modernistic expressionism in the West Gallery this afternoon. <laughs> right this way. But of course, you're a little bit early for that, if that's your reason for being here. It's not. Oh, 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 is that so? Well, then perhaps you've heard of the new Van Gogh we just got in? Have you heard of it? A stunning painting. Oh, it's simply stunning. And perhaps you've come to see that then. <laughs> well, thanks for your trouble, Mr. Hacker. Uh, I beg your pardon? Well, this is Mr. Masterson's office, isn't it? <laughs> Mr. Masterson? Oh, yes, of course. Oh, Mr. Masterson. Yes, of course. Well, I'm glad we've been in service to you, sir. I'm very glad. I'm Johnny Dollar, Mr. Masterson, from Eastern Indemnity. Oh, yes, uh, the insurance man. Uh, come in, Mr. Dollar. Thanks. You know, uh, it's quite a novelty to me, Mr. Dollar, acting as a go-between in the return of stolen property... Yeah, I imagine it is. Would you mind telling me uh, how you got involved? Well, not at all. Uh, sit down, won't you? Thank you. Well, as I informed your home office, a man came in here a few days ago. He wanted me to appraise a painting for him. Did he have the painting with him? He did. The moment he showed it to me, I recognized it for what it was. The River by Jan Bruegel. You knew it was stolen property? A famous masterpiece like that, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened then? It was my intention to detain him on some pretext until I could phone the police, but um, he became suspicious and left. What was his next move? Yesterday morning, he called me on the telephone and offered me a commission if I would act as intermediary. I was to get in touch with the insurance company and have one of their men here this afternoon at four o'clock. He's going to call back then? Yes. Uh-huh. It's 2.30 now. Yes. That gives you an hour and a half in which to make plans for capturing him. And recovering the painting. I'm afraid it's not going to work out that way. No. There's a little thing called the statute of limitations working in his favor. In this particular case, it expired some years ago. You mean that even if you can prove this man stole the painting, he can't be prosecuted for it? That's right. Incredible. But then I suppose it's worth it. At least a masterpiece will be returned to the world again. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Expense account item three, $1.95. Cab fare to police headquarters at 1300 Bobian. Up on the fourth floor, I introduced myself to Lieutenant Griswold of the robbery division, who brought out the original file on the case. It wasn't too informative. No, I can't say the department's very proud of this particular file, Dollar. Oh, why not, Lieutenant? We worked on the case for over a year. There's the result. Pages of reports, everyone negative. We drew a complete blank. What was your personal reaction? Do you have any particular hunches or ideas? Yeah, one. Only it didn't pay off. What was it? 
I figured it was an inside job, maybe involving Selena Jeffers. Selena Jeffers? Lauren Jeffers' daughter. Oh. Only surviving member of the family now. She was about uh, 18 at that time, studying art. Well, what set you off on her? One of the maids said Selene had fallen in love with the picture. Had a real fixation on it. Wanted old man Jeffers to hang it in her room, not let anybody else see it. Thought it was the greatest thing that had ever been put on canvas. Couldn't tie her up with it, though. I see. That's about it, Dollar. No sense in your digging into it again at this stage of the game. I'd say you better make your deal, if that's what you want to do. It's not. Looks like I'll have to. Expense account item four, two dollars and five cents. Cab fare back to the Masterson galleries. The phone on Masterson's desk rang promptly at four o'clock. Hello? You're not Masterson. Oh, oh, you the insurance boy? That's right. Who are you? Skip the questions, Mac, and put this down. Be at 2135 North Diversity at 1030 tomorrow morning, apartment 3D. Have the 25 grand in cash with you. Small bills, nothing bigger than a 50. That'll make quite a load to carry around. You want the painting back? Do as I say. Okay. But I'm bringing someone along to identify that painting for me. Sure. Bring the whole police department if you want. You can't fit a rap on me. I'm just doing you guys a favor. Yeah, I know. And you're getting well paid for it, too. Expense account item five, $3.95. Cab fare out to 1735 Cannon Road in Gross Point. Selena Jeffers was standing near the edge of a bluff overlooking Lake St. Clair, busily painting the view. My arrival didn't disturb her concentration in the least. So you think you're going to recover the Jan Bruegel landscape, Mr. Dollar? Well, it looks like it, Miss Jeffers. I suppose that has some... Connection with your visit out here. Yes, it has. I thought you might be interested in buying it back. Why? Well, it belonged to your family. I understand you used to think a good deal of it. Yes, I did. That was years ago. I'm not interested in buying it now. It's pretty modern these days. I see. Well, just thought I'd ask. Are you sure. Anything else, Mr. Dar? Yeah. Maybe you'd like to do me a favor tomorrow. What's that? Come along with me when I buy the picture back. Why? I need someone to identify it. One of a half dozen art dealers could do that for you. They couldn't identify the man who's selling it to me. If he's somebody out of your family's past. What if I can identify this person? Isn't there some time limitation or something on prosecutions of this sort? Oh, don't worry. You won't send him to jail. And I fail to see the purpose. Maybe it's just because I'm curious. Well, Miss Jeffers? I'll go with you. Expense account item six, four dollars and ten cents. Cab fare back to the Statler, where I remained until the following morning. At 10 a.m., I went to the bank where I cashed your check. At 10.15, Selena Jeffers picked me up in a nice blue Eldorado. At 10.30, we stood in the dingy corridor of a cheap apartment hotel at 2135 North Diversity. The name on the door of apartment 3D was Eddie Travers. Yeah? 
I'm Johnny Dollar. Oh, insurance boy, huh? Come in, Dollar. Thank you. Dollar gonna check the painting for you? That's right. Yeah. You, uh, got the dough. Oh, I'm not carrying laundry in this money bag. Very cute. Let's count it. Let's see the painting. Okay, but don't try any funny stuff. I got friends in the next room. This way, baby. It's in the closet. All right. There it is. How about it, Miss Jeffers? That's the painting, Mr. Dollar. You sure? Positive. Okay. Here's the money, Travers. Don't mind if I count it now, do you, Dollar? No, go right ahead. Is there any reason why I should wait around, Mr. Dollar? Well, what about this fellow, Travers? I've never seen him before. You sure about that? Just as sure as I am about the painting. Sounds like you hoped the doll might have put a finger on me, Dollar. Well, I just like to play all the angles, Travers. Sorry, this one didn't work out for you, Mr. Dollar. If you ever happen to recover any good modern impressionists, look me up again. I might be interested in buying those from you. I'll keep that in mind, Miss Jeffers. And, uh, thanks. You know, some I don't figure you insurance guys. What's it to you how I make out on this deal? No dough out of your pocket? A guy like you always looks at it that way. So what's so bad about that? Oh, nothing. If you like your view obstructed by bars. Expense account item seven, three dollars and forty-five cents. Cab fare. First to Masterson's galleries, where I left the painting to be held until you decided what to do with it. Then back to the Statler Hotel. In spite of my brave remarks to Eddie Travers, I still had no more idea of how to change the course of events than I'd had when I arrived. Expense account item eight, fifteen dollars and seventy-five cents. Hotel bill, miscellaneous, and transportation to the airport. Mr. Masterson's assistant? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, Mr. Well, when they told me you'd checked out of your hotel, I... Oh, I was stunned. I was so afraid I wouldn't get here in time. In time for what? Well, tell me, Mr. Dollar. Is it true that you brought that Bruegel landscape to the gallery? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, my, my, my. And is it true you... You paid $25,000 for it? I did. Oh... Oh, dear, 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 dear. What a pity, what a pity. I really don't know how to tell you this. Tell me what? Well, that picture, the Bruegel landscape, I think it's a forgery. Friends. No matter what kind of work you do, there are bound to be times when the job seems monotonous. You feel tense and restless, and you need something to give you a little boost. Well, you'll be surprised how helpful a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum can be at times like that. You see, chewing on a smooth piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum is a natural way to ease tension and relieve that feeling of restlessness. The easy chewing gives you satisfaction. You get a nice little lift out of it. And Wrigley's Spearmint Gum tastes good, too. Its flavor is lively, refreshing spearmint. A flavor millions enjoy. Try it and see for yourself. 
get a few packages of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum and chew a stick from time to time while you work. Chewing this delicious gum will make your job seem easier and pleasanter. It really will. And now with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Merwin Hacker drove me back to the Masterson's galleries from the airport, babbling all the way. Everything he told me en route, he said all over again as we entered the storeroom at the rear of the galleries. Uh-huh, now, now, there, there it is, you see? See, Mr. Dollar? Now, just look at that. Uh-huh. Now, just look at that. Oh, it's a superb piece of work. Oh, it's superb. And a forgery. Well, suppose you show me how you were tipped off, Mr. Hacker. Well, as I told you, Mr. Dollar, it was mere happenstance. Mr. Masterson had left, and I was preparing the painting for storage. I, I just suppose it was out of sheer nervousness. I, you know, I've never really worked with as valuable a masterpiece as this before. And you know what? My hand slipped. And right here, right down here in the very lowest corner, right there, you can hardly notice it. You see what happened? Where? Right there. Looks like you flicked off a little bit of paint. That's exactly what happened, Mr. Dollar. And there was the proof, you see? No, no, I'm afraid I don't. You don't? Well, look. Now, look. Now, look closely, Mr. Dollar. You see, you see where the little specks of paint were flecked off? Now, what do you see? Oh, more paint underneath. Yes? Only that seems to be clear and shiny. No cracks in it. Oh, exactly, Mr. Dollar. Comparatively fresh paint. If that canvas had been centuries old, the paint would have been dried and cracked all the way through. Yeah. Who's the biggest expert in town on these things, Mr. Hacker? <laughs> the biggest expert? Oh, you mean on art forgeries? Yeah, yeah, yeah art oh, forgeries. Oh, yes. Let me see now. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. Stephen Durwood. Yes, he's your man. Stephen Durwood. He has a studio just a few blocks down in Woodward. Uh, Oh, but what a pity. It's such a magnificent piece of work. And completely worthless. Oh, I don't know. I just paid 25000 for it. While Hacker prepared the canvas for me to take over to Durwood's, I went into Masterson's office and put in a call to Lieutenant Griswold. You sure it's a forgery, Donner? Well, I'm taking it to Stephen Durwood for an opinion. But I don't think there's any doubt... Same painting that was stolen from Lauren Jeffers. We still haven't got anything. No, but what if it's not? I'll get out a pickup on Eddie Travers. Expense account item nine, four dollars and fifty cents, cab fare. First to the studios of Stephen Durwood. Why not drop back in an hour and a half or so, Mister Dollar? That should give me time for a preliminary examination. But I can tell you right now that if this painting is a forgery, it's the most magnificently created fraud I have ever seen. The next stop was Gross Point and the Jeffers' home. Selina was in the library, curled up comfortably in a big easy chair, oh. sipping a drink. This visit is a little unexpected, isn't it, Mr. Dollar? I hadn't thought I'd see you so soon again. Are you disturbed about it, Miss Jeffers? Why should I be? Well, maybe because that Bruegel you identified might be a forgery. Would you care for a drink, Mr. Dollar? No, thanks. 
was a rather astounding statement you just made. Why? Not the first so-called masterpiece that turned out to be a fraud? There's a little more than that involved. Like what? A child's dream of perfection. That's what the Brugal meant to me. I worshipped that painting, Mr. Dollar. To me, it was a symbol of the beauty that man can create in an ugly, hateful world. And now you tell me that I've been worshipping fraud. Oh, maybe not. Maybe this one is another painting entirely. But you don't think so. Was the Brugal that was stolen 11 years ago a forgery, Miss Jeffers? I thought I'd already answered that. Well, I'm not satisfied with the answer. Then think about this. If you can prove that the Brugal forgery or not is the same painting that was stolen from this library, give it back to me and I'll make out a check to your insurance company for $120,000. Do you think that will satisfy you, Mr. Dollar? Well, it'll satisfy Eastern Indemnity. Expense account item 10, $3.95. Cab fare back to Stephen Durwood Studios. He'd finished his examination of the painting and had his report ready for me. Frankly, Mr. Dollar, I'm almost at a loss as to what to tell you. I examined the Bruegel minutely, and I would be willing to swear that the canvas, the pigments, the brushes used are all genuine 17th century. And the painting appears to have been aging for not less than three centuries. But you don't think it has been? I might have, if it weren't for the little flecks of paint that were scraped off one of the flowers down in the corner. There is something pretty strange about that, Mr. Dollar. What? Well, I have taken samples of paint from other spots on the canvas. The apparent age of the oils goes all the way through. Only in that one spot on that flower does a fresher, more modern-looking paint show through. Was there any explanation for that, Mr. Durbin? Well, you see, some forgers get their aging effect by baking the completed canvas in an electric oven. Now, in this case, it is possible the forger slipped up by failing to remove the clamp or the pincers he used to place the canvas in the oven. Um, oh, uh, Will you excuse me? Quite. Yes, Stephen Durwood speaking. Why, yes, he is. Just one moment, please. It's for you, Mr. Dollar. Oh, thanks. Hello? Griswold, Dollar. I had a hunch you might be there. Can you come down to headquarters? Now, what's up, Lieutenant? We just got Eddie Travers. Expense account item 11, $1.25. Cab fare to police headquarters. Eddie Travers wasn't very anxious to give us any answers. Look, look, I'm giving it to you straight, fellas. I don't know anything about this job. You turned the painting over to me for 25000 Travers. Sure, sure I did, but I didn't have anything to do with heisting it. Even if I did, the time's run out on that rap. Yeah, he's right on both counts, Dollar. Sure. He was serving time in Jackson when the original robbery took place. But what are you picking me up for? You got nothing to hold me, huh? How about operating a confidence game? Or conspiracy to defraud? Come. What are you giving me? You, you wanted a painting. I sold it to you. There's no bunko rap on that. Huh? There is when you pass out a forgery for the real thing. Forgery? The painting's a phony, Travers. That'll spell fraud and confidence game to any jury. Huh? 
And with a previous record, you should get 10 to 20 without any trouble at all. Wait a minute. Hold it. You giving it to me straight? That's right. You're hooked but good, Travers. Why is that low down crummy? Should have known there was something wrong. He laid it out for me too easy. The time's run out, he says. They can't get you on a thing, he says. All you got to do is turn over the painting and collect a 10% split, he says. Look what happens. What's his name, Travis? Real big shot, dropping a load week after week in a floating crap game. And he gets me hooked for 25 C's. What's his name? Hacker, Merwin Hacker. While Travers dictated an official statement, we put in a call to the Masterson galleries. Masterson had returned by then and told us that Hacker had left for his home near Farmingdale about an hour before. It turned out to be a five-acre farm, well off the main road. We checked the house and came up with nothing. We had better luck at the barn. That's a pretty nice setup, Dollar. Yeah, sure is. Electric oven, plenty of old canvases. Looks like he was set up to turn out art forgeries on a production line basis. Yeah. I guess we've got plenty of physical evidence here. With the exception of Merwin Hacker himself. That's no problem. What? He's over here, behind this partition. Huh. Well, he won't do any talking. He doesn't have to. That gun in his hand did it for him. After the homicide men took over, Griswold drove me back downtown. I picked up the painting at Stephen Durwood's and took it to Masterson's gallery for the last time. Merwin Hacker? An art wounder? Well, you must be joking, Mr. Dollar. I'm afraid not, Mr. Masterson. But the man has been working for me for over 15 years. How could he possibly have been conducting such an underhanded business without my knowing of it? Frankly, I don't think he was. But you just said he'd been forging these masterpieces. Forging them, yes. Without your knowledge, no. Well, I'm confused, Mr. Dollar. Well, it's one thing to create these forgeries. It's another to dispose of them. That takes a good legitimate front. Like the Masterson Art Galleries, for instance. Really, Mr. Dollar? Now you're the one who seems to be confused. Well, I was confused for a while, trying to figure why Hacker disclosed the forgery to me himself. But you're not now? No. I think Hacker suddenly found out you were paying him only nominal sums for the forgeries and selling them at a tremendous profit to yourself. And when he learned about this latest double cross, he decided two could play at that game. Mm, a very interesting theory, Mr. Dolan. Too bad you can't prove it. Uh-huh. Would you mind telling me why you stole the painting from Lauren Jeffers? Not at all. It was the flaw in it. The Bruegel was the first work that Hacker attempted. I sold it to Jeffers. After it had been hanging for a while, the paint began to fleck off in that one corner. I was afraid Jeffers would get suspicious and call in some experts. So you beat him to the punch by stealing the painting back? Exactly. Too bad you had all that brilliant detective work for nothing, Mr. Dollar. But as you once admitted yourself, there's always the statute of limitations. Yeah. And there's always Merwin Hacker. What about him, Mr. Dollar? He's dead. And there's no statute of limitations on murder. Murder. <laughs>
Expense account item 12, $1.60. Cab fare down to police headquarters with Masterson in tow. Paraffin test showed that he'd recently fired a gun while Merwin Hacker's hand was clean. Eddie Travers identified Masterson as the man who'd been passing himself off as Merwin Hacker. Lieutenant Griswold says he can make the murder rap stick. Expense account item 13, $49.25. Airfare and incidentals back to Hartford. Expense account total, $135.85. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, next time you chew a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, notice how cool and fresh it makes your mouth feel. That's because Wrigley's Spearmint Gum has lots of lively, refreshing, real spearmint flavor in every stick. The minute you sink your teeth in, that cooling flavor begins to freshen your taste and relieve that hot, dry feeling in your throat. It sweetens the breath, too. Millions of people carry Wrigley's Spearmint Gum with them wherever they go for quick, long-lasting refreshment, and for real chewing enjoyment. Next time you're at the store, get some Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Enjoy its refreshing flavor and good, pleasant chewing often, every day. Remember, that's Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, stars John Lund in the title role and was written by Sidney Marshall with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were Parley Bear, Howard McNear, William Johnstone, Jack Moyles, Hal March, and Virginia Gregg. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us next week at this same time when from Hollywood, John Lund again transcribes his expense account as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. Well, according to John Abbott's great book on uh, Johnny Dollar, uh, this episode is actually titled The Flowering Judas Matter. That was on the title page as the original title. I don't know why that would have been. Maybe the painting had originally been intended to be named the Flowering Judas. Flowering Judas was the title of a short story and also of an anthology of short stories written by Catherine Ann Porter in the 1930s. Not really seeing its relevance to this particular story. I also liked the fact that Johnny was determined to find some way in order to 
ensure the thieves were brought to justice, no matter how unlikely that was to actually work. It says a lot about his overall dedication and passion that makes him such a dogged investigator. Also, I really enjoyed Virginia Gregg in this, and in her performance, there's a reminder of what made the great character actors uh, so special. Because they had to do a lot of roles uh, where there was not really a chance to do anything particularly interesting with the role. And when you're talking about people like William Conrad or Virginia Ray, they did a lot of roles where it's, you know, essentially a throwaway, very generic, Part. Uh, you're playing a general thug, a generic policeman, a uh, random uh, wife of somebody, uh, just some lady in the marketplace, a grandma, uh, you know, uh, those sort of roles. And your job with those sort of roles is just to uh, do the part well. No matter how generic the part, you need to make it so that it's believable and it's realistic. And at the same time, you can't uh, really be one of those great character actors if you were a ham and had to try to make the part bigger or upstage somebody. So they spent most of their time doing professional performances of ultimately forgettable roles. But it would be a mistake to assume that that was all they could do, or they couldn't do any deeper sort of character. One of my favorite examples of this is Nightbeat, where William Conrad didn't appear in every episode, but he's in like one out of four episodes that we have in circulation. And each time uh, he plays a different type of character, and all the episodes he's in are practically an acting clinic showing the depth of Mr. Conrad's talent and his amazing range, which you wouldn't get if you were just listening to a bunch of shows where he played, you know, random hoods. And you saw something similar in uh, Virginia Gregg's performance as Serena. Because, yeah, this was not a part that you really even had much empathy for. But when she talked about uh, what that picture had meant to her when she was growing up, it was actually really touching. I thought she did a great job humanizing that character and going to a depth I didn't expect it to go to. Listener comments and feedback now, and we start with this comment from YouTube. And SafeSoft comments regarding the punctilious firebug matter, in which I had uh, some issues with the title. And SafeSoft says, so you're saying that whoever came up with this episode title wasn't very punctilious. And the answer, of course, is yes, because as we talked about in that episode... 
showing great attention to detail, and based on the way the episode was written, it seemed like they that the writer or the more likely director thought that punctilious meant punctual. So, yeah, not very punctilious of them. Now we have a comment here from Michael on, on Facebook. Michael writes, Is there a reason that you edit out every brief pause between every phrase and sentence? It sounds extremely unnatural. Well, thank you for the comment, Michael. And I don't edit out every brief pause, but I'm open to the idea that I'm editing out too many. And it's not something that I'm making a choice to do. At least not intentionally. I edit my commentary as I go. And some of you are out there like saying, wait, this has been edited? Yes, it has. In fact, in between that sentence and the sentence I'm saying now, I said, ah, and I paused the recording and I edited out the ah. Now, of course, in order to make that work, I do need to provide, as you say, a natural bit of space so that it sounds natural. You know, and this is, of course, in addition to all the editing that Andrew does. I don't want to send him or anyone else the sort of raw feed of me stumbling and bumbling through an entire commentary. But I do want it to sound natural, and I will work to do a better job of that with appropriate pauses. I, I don't think anyone wants to hear you know massive pauses in the recording. You know, like that. But you do want things to flow smoothly, and so I have to endeavor to yeah, balance that out. And I appreciate the feedback, and it's something I will work to improve on, and I will focus on every single episode that I'm going to record for the rest of 2022. Which is one episode. Maybe I should work on it in 2023 as well. Uh, thanks so much for the comment. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Bill. Bill has been one of our Patreon supporters since November of 2020, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for the support, Bill. And that will actually do it for today. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, I do want to encourage you to do so using your favorite podcast software, whether it's Spotify, iHeartRadio, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. And if you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to rate and review it wherever you're downloading your podcast from. We'll have a special Encore presentation for you next week. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers with our only new Christmas special of the year where... Photographer will be out of your way in a minute, Jace. The nurse I told you about is in the other room. Maybe you want to talk to her first. Yeah, thanks, Sheriff. She's still as bad off as she was. Oh, she's some better now. It's a rough thing for a woman to have to go through. Yeah, plenty rough. In here, Jason. Uh, Alice. 
Alice, this is Ranger Pearson. Alice Leonard, Jace. Been Doc Hartley's nurse for six years. Howdy, ma'am. I'm sorry. I just can't seem to get a hold of myself. But it was so horrible. <laughs> I know how you must feel, ma'am, but you'll be helping a lot by answering a few questions. I had tried. Fine. Sheriff here has given me what you told him, so I won't put you through that again. Just want to clear up a few things. You know of anyone who might have wanted Doc dead? Oh, what sort of person would want that? Doctor was a wonderful man. Never had an enemy in his life. Sheriff, he'll tell you that. That's right, Jace. Doc was a real popular man in this town. I never heard a word against him. Friend didn't put him where he is now. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.